With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If I learned one thing in the last year, it's that falling into debt can happen to anyone. Luckily, I heard about the ISI, the Insolvency Service of Ireland. Their professional advisors can help you restructure or even write off your debt. The first thing they said to me was, every debt problem has a solution. I can still feel the relief. So if you're worried, visit their website backontrack.ie or free text get help to 50015. The ISI. Together, we'll get you back on track. Welcome to episode 32 of the bloodandmud.com podcast. We are back. It's been a long old time, baby. Yeah, we we are the sweary pipe bomb of rugby knowledge or as somebody's somebody's invented on Twitter, hashtag spork. Yes, I love that it's spork, by so the way. That's all of brilliant. you out there are now sporkers. Yes. And you can take that how, how you will, but that's basically how it works mm. now. Um, we're starting the season to mean to go on by being a day late. Yeah. Because let's, we're let's... nothing if not consistent. Yeah, set those expectations nice and low, that's what I say. And as Quaid Cooper has shown, being consistently infuriating to the people who follow you is still something that keeps him coming back. Yeah, people love that shit, so uh, yeah. If you are here for the first time, which I doubt you will be, I am Lee Calvert, the editor of bloodandmud.com, and he is... I'm Josh Gardner, editor of rugbyshirtwatch.com. Yeah, we tried to do a bit of a a deal this summer and try and take some inspiration and get a Dragons-style deal on a copy-fax scanner. Mm-hmm. But instead, but, we've ended up with a new mixing desk. Yeah, apparently all of the copiers in Wales are being given to all of the various rugby teams. So, uh, yeah, apparently that's... Yeah, so we've got a new mixer now, which I am driving. So I mm. you know, I apologise in advance for what this may sound like. <laughs> and the fact that over the next couple of weeks, all the problems that we kind of ironed out last year are going to be back. But there yeah, you go. It, you know, this is it, going to be some trial and error shit, right? If it ain't ranshackle, then it ain't this pod, is what I say. Exactly. If you want professionalism, there are other podcasts. You know who they are. The good thing is I can use the mixing desk to mask the fact that Josh resembles the Walking Dead over there. He's so jet-lagged, having just come back from, yes, the, I, from I, the large I, apple, I believe they call I am, it. I was indeed in NYC until uh, about a day and a half ago, and I there was a whole night's sleep that went missing somewhere, and I'm still not entirely sure where it's gone. So uh, if I'm slightly not so quick off the mark today, it's not just because I'm gearing up for the new season. 
Yes, like he's as quick off the mark as the Australian defensive line as Joshua Ooh, Lee today. Like topical, that. like it. We are still available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Acast, and anywhere else you want to ram our RSS feed. Mm-hmm. And we will continue this season shamelessly to grub for reviews. Reviews on iTunes like this one, which came all the way from where you've just been, the US. Wow. Winners in this mid. Uh, this is a sorry a review from a guy called Rugby Brexit, and it was entitled <laughs> "Winners of Pod Most People Want to Have Beers With." Really? That's not bad, is it? That's pretty good. That was everyone who's ever been with me since I was in uni, I don't think. Um, (laughs) Anyway, what he says was, an essential oil of a pod, Lee and Josh provide adept commentary that serves as a mysterious purpose, but is clearly good for the skin and one's constitution. Thus, the definition of essential. More interviews, gents. Yes. Well, we will uh, look to try and sort that more interview stuff in future, I think. But, uh, yeah, I like essential oils. That's... uh, when I, I mean, you know that, I don't really you know understand that, it. Do you know that like when it. we started this all that time ago, if you'd have said to me you'd described it as an, an essential oil at some point, I would have, I, I maybe wouldn't have started it. But I'm, I'm grateful <laughs> for the effort. I'm grateful for the effort. But, yeah, and I mean, I'm sorry. Got a grasp of language there. Well, I'm, uh, I'm sorry, Rugby Great Brexit. We don't have any interviews this week, but we do have a new feature, which we'll hope that you'll like. Mm-hmm. And we'll also let you know some other stuff that's coming up, uh, which you can get involved in by contacting the pod at Blood and Mud, or Josh can be reached on. At Josh Gardner, or indeed at Rugby Shirt Watch. Okay, let's move on. The Rugby Championship has been going full blaze. It has. Um, I level with you. I've, as aforementioned, have been in the States for the last week or so, so I have my watching of the Rugby Championship so far has been limited. Um, But my overall impression has been basically Australia bad, New Zealand very, very good, and Argentina and South Africa somewhere in between. That's what kind of sums it up. Should we talk yeah. about Australia and New Zealand first? The yeah. first week was an absolute humping. I'm sure you've all digested this out there already, so I won't go into it too much. It was an absolute humping, and the second week was a medium-sized humping for, for <laughs> yeah, Australia. Yeah, I mean, it was sort of the, the second go that wasn't quite as enthusiastic, isn't it? It's um, I'm not sure what's gone wrong with the Wallabies. Like, it genuinely befuddles me. Like, I know what we've spoken on this pod before about, like, how, it, you know... Teams will have peaks and troughs, oh. but eventually they revert to their base level. But, like, I don't think, given it's so easy to forget how good they were at the World Cup. And that was 12 months ago. What was the best thing about them in the World Cup? Yeah. What was the best thing about them? It was their defence, wasn't it? Yeah, it was their defence. And it's an also absolute fucking shambles now. It is. And, and also, their attacking game was so clinical, and they seemed to have such a good sort of. They knew the game plan. And I mean, they just don't get it anymore. It's, it's difficult. So weird. It's difficult to think when you lose that many centres in two games. They had a load of injuries to their midfield yeah. quite considerably. And I think, how much is it is they were bad? How much is New Zealand were good? Now, I've got a theory on this, right? Well, the theory, but when New Zealand have got the ball, mm. there's very little you can do about it. You know, like you're playing snooker yeah, and you have to just it's... sit there drinking a pint <laughs> while you watch some bastard clear up. Yeah. Not that I've ever played snooker much. We know that's the feeling you get when you sit and go, well, I've got to sit here now till they give me the ball back. That's certainly been the feeling that Australia have given over the last yeah, two imagine. weeks. Yeah, they were like st- Every single Steve Davis opponent up to about 1982 <laughs> was basically how they felt. But I think it's... Um, what you what Australia have had a problem with, I think, when you look at it, you think, you can't control what happens when they get the ball. But mm. when Australia, as a team, have the ball, you should be able to control how New Zealand get the ball. Yeah. How you give them the ball. Now, 80% of the time, you should be able to control that. 20% of the time, New Zealand are going to nick it off you through yeah. counter-rucking, jackaling, or yeah. the odd handling error, okay? 
Yeah. What they've done in Australia over the first two weeks is just basically had no control over how New Zealand how they keep the ball away from New Zealand. They just kept giving it back either through shocking kicking, maladroit and pointlessly stupid attacking <laughs> patterns, which all went completely awful. Yeah. And as much as you can say, well, yes, this New Zealand team do look quite clever, they're still making the odd mistake. And they're being and, and any team that's given the ball that much is gonna look reasonable. Yeah, and it's bizarre because I think they're like they're plummeting to depths now that like I mean people thought the Dingo Dean's era was bad, but this is because that the New Zealand team that used to hammer them in those days with the greatest respect to this New Zealand this All Black side at the moment that was a better side yes than than what this one is and like I mean and they're a debutant to play in thirteen this weekend New Zealand you know this is yeah. not an established international team. I mean they're talented lads. Yeah. This is not an established all-conquering one-for-the-ages team like they did have yeah. in 2000, 2005, that sort of era, you know? Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. This has the potential to be hmm. a historically good All Blacks team. Like, the the players that they're, they're pulling together now, the younger players that they've brought in, look every bit as good as the players that, that have sort of... they've taken the mantle on from, in a way. But, I mean, this is also... This is definitely a historically bad Wallaby side. I think I said on Twitter during the first Bledisloe test in a fug of jet lag um, that like the respective performances of both Australia and New Zealand, particularly in that first test, should probably throw a bit of context onto Wales and England's respective June performances. And I didn't mean that. That's to very be a true, sort of, actually. Yeah, I didn't mean that to be a dig at, at England in particular, but I think Wales yeah, right. have come in for a lot of shit for losing that series three nil. In Wales, and a lot of people have basically said that you know that they're a bag of shit, and that Gatland deserves to get sacked, and how he should get sacked, and blah 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 blah. Let's not forget that this is a Wales team that managed to live with this New Zealand team for seventy minutes in two tests. Yeah, and a team that got to the World Cup final couldn't. Yeah, and like it's a pretty significant achievement, really. Like on, in, it, it's making Wales look better every week. <laughs> the more damage that New Zealand do to Australia and to all these other teams that they're inevitably going to do damage to. And yeah, it's they're just the All Blacks are just like you say. You give them the ball, they will hurt you. And Australia just don't seem to know like the knock, the handling errors. It's just it doesn't make any sense. Like back in June when they were shit, we said, oh, you know, it's partly they're missing Gitto, they're missing Genia, they're missing you know all these mm. players that have gone to Europe that they had in the World Cup that really. Genia is one of the few had... things that has been positive about these uh, few days actually. Yeah, he has. But he, I mean, obviously they had shitty luck with Gitto getting injured like almost instantly, but it just hasn't you know bringing any of these players back. It just doesn't seem to make any difference. And the biggest problem I think is the forwards. Like mm. as you say in the World Cup, they matched pretty much everybody, and. The defence, you know, was led by a pretty heroic forward effort. And I just don't see that. And I just see them, that All Blacks pack just was out muscling them at every single contact area and every single scrum and every single. It's just, there was Which no. Is, yeah, that's why I was making this point about the fact that they're not helping themselves in how they're keeping the ball away from New Zealand. No. Because, but if you think about it, like, remember when, when Scott Fardy suddenly became excellent? Yes. And let's be honest, everyone was a bit like, where oh. the fuck's this come from exactly? Yeah. Because he was very much a kind of, well, he's the blindside flanker that we've got. Yeah. And then he actually became very good. Mm. And now 
he doesn't seem to be. He was actually all right on Saturday, but he just, he just, you know, well, as you, because, I, th- I think I remember you saying back at when the World Cup ended, let's see what happens because they kind of came out of nowhere. Mm. And then how do you stabilise that? And the answer is that they seem to be struggling. I know they've only played twice against New Zealand. It'll be interesting to see, and this New Zealand team is on a bit of a, you know, an upward trajectory, isn't it? But I think it's yeah. interesting to see what happens when they finally come up against Australian. Uh, sorry, Argentina and South Africa. Yeah, I was thinking that. It's like, I mean, the box in Argentina, like over their first two tests, they seem pretty evenly matched. And I think it's kind of hard to decide if that's actually in a good thing their capacity to drop the ball. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. But like, it won't be until they play Oz and New Zealand can we sort of see if they're actually, what sort of level they're actually at, because they're kind of cancelling each other out a little bit at the moment. Yeah. Um. But yeah, for me... It's, it seems to be that Australia are by far probably the worst team in the rugby championship at the moment. And that is pretty amazing when you think about it, because when you look at everything that's gone on, on off the field, like New Zealand have basically lost most of their most capped and best players ever. Um, South Africa have had a new coach and lost a load of legends. Argentina have been, all of their players have been playing in a new team in super rugby for the first time and australia they've lost Makito, and that's yeah. about it and in terms yeah. of like when you put it like that yeah you know in terms of disruption that's all that's gone and yet somehow australia have managed to go to shit while everybody else seems to have man- like weathered the storm quite well and it's also that thing about it. they were so bad that the answer was apparently quaid cooper mm. And Which I think just shows you, good lord. I think what it just is the shows you the, the, the depth that, or the lack of it that they're struggling with, really. Because if the answer is always, a, "Well, fuck, what are they do now?" Oh, I know, oh, Quade Cooper. Quade. Yeah, it just goes to show that. Like, I mean, we said how witheringly average their halfback options are, and we said that during the England series. But I mean, for a, a team that has produced such brilliant fly halves and scrum halves over the last, and 12s as well, you know, over the last couple of decades, the dearth of creativity and the dearth of just talent, or dearth of a warm body, to be honest with you, like, it's, it's really striking and quite shocking. I'm not entirely sure where that's come from. What's happened to Carmichael Hunt? And the XRL guy, he was meant to be a big thing, and then he, he went down into kind of the non-super rugby level, didn't well, he? And then he's come back to the Reds, hasn't he? And now he's... Didn't he get gacked up to the eyeballs? Oh, did he? Did I he... think he... <laughs> Wasn't he one of those Reds players? I think, that I think you've got... been terribly prejudiced about rugby league players there. I just made the assumption <laughs> that he's been gacked up to the eyeballs at some point. Wasn't he one? Did, I'm sure that he got before he'd even managed to play Super Rugby. He got either, either arrested or done for either dealing or possessing a load of Australia, Charlie. Australian rugby league, ladies and gentlemen. Fuck, I mean, yeah, exactly. Um, but so that's I think that's so, uh, firmly on the back burner as far as him doing anything goes. If anyone out there knows what's going on with Carmichael Hunt, I'm sure he got <laughs> called into the wider squad early this season, but I can't I can't remember. I thought that was like two seasons ago, so I think he might have oh, okay. redu- like managed to sort his like life out a little bit since then. Let me see. I'm just going to his Wikipedia. Uh, here we go. Here we go. Um, on 19th of February 2015, he was arrested and charged for four counts for the supply of cocaine for personal use. Or to on supply cocaine to friends and colleagues between June and December 2014. Oh dear. Well, with those ARU contracts, you know what I mean? There's not much money splashing around. You have to make his money somehow, right? You can't blame well, him. <laughs> exactly. It's not he's like got he's got a bit of money in the bank or anything, is it? Right. So, uh... yeah, so that was Australia, New Zealand. New Zealand continued to be. Well, 
They look imperious. When they're not they're not playing England again now till about twenty forty two, are they? I know. I think that there's something going on there. <laughs> it's almost like you know how like in boxing, like the two biggest names will. It's really hard to arrange a title fight because nobody you can't agree wants... the money split. Yeah, and nobody wants to be the one that loses. I kind of feel like it's almost like England and. The All Blacks are trying to avoid one another because neither of them particularly wants to run the risk of losing and ruining the good thing. Because while they're both, neither of them are playing each other, the arguments can continue over who would have who and it'll get sorted out of the World Cup. I think New Zealand would win given that if you look at how oh, many, how many they, points England conceded against Australia. Oh, they'd win by at least 15 points, if not more, I think. But um, yeah. Let's talk about Argentina and South Africa, shall we? You've already mentioned mm. it very briefly. South yeah. Africa have a new squad, have a new coach. Yes. Who has pulled in a number of Lions players and yet then doesn't seem to want to let them play like the Lions in any way, shape or form. And yeah, by play like the Lions, that, I mean play with something comprehending the fact they might have played rugby, look like looking at them might have played rugby before. Yeah. Because it's an it's... absolute shambles. Yeah, it's not like the Lions got to the Super Rugby final or anything. Yeah, why would you want to copy that model? Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's a terrible idea. It's not like that sort of thing of, of playing good rugby through all of the levels has worked for the All Blacks or anything. <laughs> I mean, God, no. Yeah, it's weird, that, isn't it? I mean, you take a player like Elton Jantis, who is obviously imperious when he pulls on a Lions jersey and looks fantastic and, and can get a backline running so well, hmm. and then... You sort of ask him to play like a sort of textbook, plodding Springbok mechanicals fly off, and it's like, well, no, that's and he ends really up kicking not the ball into his captain's face. And yeah, that's <laughs> basically what happens. <laughs> the oldest yeah, story exactly. in the book: play against type, kick the ball into your captain's face. Yeah, uh, it's it's yeah. funny, but it's true. You know, it's. It, I mean, it's it, funny because it, we all still like watching South Africa lose, don't we? Of course we do. It's Regardless of, like, of whatever, but it's just, you know, there's one thing that unites the rugby world is one South Africa to lose. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it was really entertaining when they lost on the weekend because they had that moment where you genuinely felt like, oh, old South Africa are back. Yes. They're going to mechanically pulp the remains of Argentina into a sticky paste. And they didn't, which was all quite entertaining. Well, so, I mean, yeah. Argentina, man, are, are all credit to them for winning, but they should have won the week before. Yeah, and that'd have been I, an even bigger win. And it's that fucking offloading. I know. It's They've, it's it's. I think I likened it at one point. It's like having a conversation with an estate agent. <laughs> it's necessary in the modern world. You have to have a conversation with them. However, if yes. you do it too much, it's basically going to ruin your life. Exactly. And your and hopes and dreams. So you know that's how they should treat their offloading game. You know. Yeah, you want you have you have the conversation with the estate. You have the pleasantries while you're yes. showing the house. You don't then go for coffee. No, you don't invite them down no. to your housewarming. No, you don't ask them to pick curtains. Exactly, definitely. You don't not. ask them to babysit your dog when you're on holiday. You know what I mean? <laughs> There's a point at which it has to stop for, so that you don't basically yeah. become you know you don't hate the world and lose yeah. everything that you've dreamed of. <laughs> but that's the thing. Somewhere like. Argentina obviously played this very expansive, exciting game at the World Cup, and it's almost like that's gone to their head a little bit, because El Haguares play exactly the same hmm. with suicidal offloading left, right, and, and now Argentina didn't used to suicidally offload; they just played really good rugby. Yes, and it's almost like they're trying to play like the seventy-three Barbarians all the time. Yeah, if they could have that that game in South Africa, I can't remember which city it was in. 
And if they'd have controlled possession for more than three minutes at a time, they'd have comfortably won that comfortably game. Comfortably won. It's it's mad, isn't it? I I guess they're probably looking at it as it. Oh, it's a process sort of deal, maybe. I do like uh, their their reserve scrum half, whose name I can't remember now. Number twenty one, he was. His his hair is so thick that even with a shavvy, his head is black. <laughs> He's obviously got like a number zero all over, and his hair is his head is still black. I know exactly who you mean. He is the guy who uh, plays in Australia, whose name is completely just completely. And speaking of shaved heads, what do we reckon to um, David Pocock History X? Um, well, I think it doesn't suit him. But aren't they all doing it to um, in was solidarity with Liliofano? Lili so they? it's right. one of those things where it's like you look a bit of a dick, mate. But fair play. Oh, Leicester have done it this week. Only Peter Beatham's got the entire Leicester backline to do it today, I believe. Oh, fair play. I haven't seen that yet. That will be. I'm, oh, good God, a skinheaded Manny Tuilagi is going to be a genuinely <laughs> terrifying sight. It's going to be absolutely wonderful, isn't it? It's, it's, how can we make you even more intimidating and scary? Well, we'll just shave your head. But I, I hope they've left that tiny little uh, braid thing that he's got. Just that. That would be brilliant, wouldn't it? Yeah. A complete please, massive please shaved dome with that little rat thing running <laughs> at the back. That would be fantastic. Uh, right, so that's a kind of quick run through how we see it going and mm-hmm. rugby championship. I think you we we could have just left it when you said at the beginning. New Zealand very good, Australia very bad. The other two Everybody in between else. comically <clears throat> making errors. Who cares? Yeah. Let's do the shit good ratings. They are back. Yes. Uh, shit for me carrying on for this one is the Australian line out. Oh, dreadful! Like a really drunken bad. rowing team trying to headbutt a pub ceiling. <laughs> First. Let's not forget that the man in charge of this shit is supposed to be the captain of Australia. Yes. It's like, that, that's a worrying sign when your captain has, you know, he's got two jobs, push and throw, and <laughs> one of those things is going badly and the other one's going incredibly badly. Push, throw, and have a bleeding bridge of the nose. That's yes, basically obviously. Figure. And score way more tries than he has any is it right me, to. Or has Stephen Moore been a bit rubbish for a while? Yeah, he am I being harsh? Because that that's the like... impression I get. Every time I've watched, I think, I'm either not particularly impressed or you're basically downright sabotaging your own team here. He's kind of... He, I've, I've always felt like he was just like a solid, workman-like, unspectacular player who has that weird habit of scoring a shitload of tries as a front row forward, which some people take as some sort of positive, but I'm personally naturally very suspicious of that sort of thing. Um, yeah, they were not... better when Pelotta now came on. Yeah, having said I think... that, I think they'd have been better if a weeble on roller skates came on. He was so bad at the weekend. Yeah, it's, it's... I, I wonder if he's one of those players where the burden of captaincy is somewhat weight, especially when it was good. It's, it's very easy to be the captain of your country when things are going well, but things are going historically badly. For Australia at the moment, and you do kind of wonder if it's it's because remember when James Hallwell was quite good, yes, and then Australia started really not doing well, and then the lion they lost the Lions tour, and he just looked like a broken shell of a man, and just started stamping on people's faces. Say, yeah, <laughs> reverted <laughs> to just trying to kill people. Yeah, yeah, and I I kind of feel like maybe Stephen Moore's in that kind of place right now. It's like he 
they've lost a, a series at home to England for the first time ever. They've got absolutely... And he did bad. look lost in every interview at the end of those games, didn't he? Yeah. He He's just, quite honest, you know, to be fair to him. He just looked a bit lost. Yeah. And... You just wonder if he's just thinking this. This is not how I was hoping things would go at all. So two for the price of one there. The Aussie lineout and Stephen Moore both shit. What have you got? Mm. Uh, well, I've obviously we've had the entire summer to really kind of store up our bile for this. <laughs> so uh, this could be. Um, I'm going to stick with this weekend's games, and I'm going to go with the uh, lack of sighting for Owen Franks for his quite blatant bit of eye gouging shit. Which I'm not one of those tin foil hat types who thinks that like the rugby authorities have an agenda surrounding the All Blacks bland or anything like that. But I don't see how you can look at that and say, yeah, he's got no case to answer, mate. It's totally fine. Especially when you look at like you think of the Chris Ashton's ban. You think of Thomas Francis in the Six Nations. You think Adam Beard, the Ospreys lock, got banned for almost identical thing at the Junior World Cup in the summer. Like and he got banned for like two months. It's it looks so dodgy. When it's absolutely against... horrific, basically. Yeah, World Rugby have come out and said nothing we can do. Yeah. Oh, sorry, we can't get involved. So why uh, do they get involved with Joe Marler? I'm baffled. That's exactly why was this Olympic level back passing, isn't it? It's like <laughs> not me, mate. Don't worry about it. They, I, it's even, and if that's you look at the, the clip, thing he, that looks bad. Frank's even looks at the ref while he's doing it to yeah, see if he's getting away say, with it. Oh fuck! Am I getting away with this or not? And, yeah, you know, I've played. Nobody ever doesn't know that they're putting their hands near somebody's face. Exactly. You d- everybody knows that that's that ha- that that you're doing it. You can't do it accidentally. You can't do it three times, quite clearly accidentally. It just no. Happen. It's, it's so it baffles. It just genuinely beggars belief. And I think, yeah. Technically, World Rugby might be right that they can't get involved because this doesn't satisfy the specific same criteria that they use to get involved with the Marla thing. I don't know. But arguably, it, it doesn't Chris look Ashton good, does lost it? his career, his international career. Yeah. Because of something nothing like as bad as this. And he yeah. was rightly cited. Yeah. He was rightly cited. It's the, it's the gloriously obscene double standard. There was a great Green and Gold Rugby shared a great cartoon today that was from the New Zealand Herald, I think. Which is that mm. loads of famous previous New Zealand players mm. saying, "What do you mean?" You know, so you had like Tana Ramanga going, "What spear tackle?" And then it went right <laughs> through to France, like going, "What eye gouging?" While he's holding two eyeballs in his hands, and it's kind of true. I think you know you don't want to be this kind of miserably cynical in New Zealand, get away with everything. But sometimes yeah, well, it's. I remember Andrew Hoare on Bradley Davis? That was one of the most thuggish things I've ever seen on a rugby field, and. He got away completely scot-free with that. And it's... Everyone likes the All Blacks. There's no getting away from that. And it's hard not to feel like some of that is seeping into the way that... You know, because the judiciary types are only human. They're not like bloody law-dispensing robots. And it's hard not to feel like maybe a bit of that affection for the All Blacks brand and the All Blacks... But you can understand it in a game... But you mm. can't understand it in the, the cold sighting, light of sighting. Yeah. This is this is where there's no defence and no reasoning for it. It's a disgrace, really, because you don't understand the refs as I wasn't really sure, or whatever, you know. Yeah, totally. Because the sighting guy will take care of it. And you could argue that that breeds yeah. poor decision making, but that's another argument. The point is, is that the sighting guy should look at it's no matter how many times you think about it, it doesn't become any more sensible. 
No, it's really it's it's just it's a bad look. And these are the things that give like as much as something like Joe Marler's shit gives rugby a bad reputation and makes rugby look bad. Letting stuff like this go is yeah. equally bad because it just shows like. Well, because it's ra- it's rankly awful. It's not just a bit of a punch up. We all no. kind of like that, really. Yeah. But none of exactly. us like fingers in eyes. Yeah, things that can actually do proper permanent damage to you, and like that are in no way involved in the course of the game. And you, you know, it's it's. I'm not going to go come over or think of the children. But you think <laughs> if you're a parent and your kid wants to play rugby and you see something like that, you think, well, fuck it, what am I? How? Why should I let him do that when? At the very highest echelons of the sport, somebody's allowed to fucking rake his fingers across somebody's eye and get away with it scot-free. And the thing is, it's not even like we're being particularly precious. It's very, very clear what the rules say about this. This is That's not a mystery to anybody. That's what This is what makes it so baffling is that yeah. it's not a mystery that if you do that if you put your hand near somebody's face and you see yeah. them doing it that's probably it you're banned it's yeah just it's a, contact it's, with the eye or eye yeah, area the discussion, that is the wording yeah, the discussion is how long is the ban for not mm. am i even going to get cited yeah that's it's, where it's just ridiculous no it's it's truly obscene but what there can you go. say speaking of truly obscene uh nick palmer <laughs> uh the his nibs on on twitter got in touch <laughs> And said this sentence. This is a, he's taking a picture and circled it in red from a newspaper. I don't know which one it is. What she told me saying this sentence made me throw up in my mouth. <laughs> it's proof, among other things. It's a it's a it's a, a game review. I'm assuming it's proof, among other things, that yes, Gavin Henson really was once a Lions inside centre, but it's also a timing reminder that Lions tours to New Zealand are rare and special. So I can only assume that somebody is starting to lay what? lay a little bit of groundwork there. God. I no. Stop. I don't please don't read that sentence ever again. <laughs> it's been circled in red, you can see on my Twitter. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Just, speaking speaking of the lions, you've got a shit in relation to the lions, haven't you? Uh yes, I have. Um it's not it's not the lions, funnily enough, well, but it is. Um particularly Mark McCafferty Premiership head honcho and Mark McCall, Saracen's boss, who have both been uh, deciding this week to get their oar in and decide that the Lions tour is some sort of unsustainable thing. And I think McCafferty said that it could be a casualty of any like restructuring and global season thing. And that just absolutely boils my piss because it's the latest example of people like him don't have the interests of rugby or indeed fans at heart. It's like he's talking about it from a player welfare point of view and, oh, they can't play, ten, you know, why do they need to play ten, hmm. a 10 game tour in in New Zealand? Well, because that's what the fucking Lions do. They always have. And long before you decided to fucking bolt a 30 game domestic season onto things. And like, yes, I, it, player welfare it, and like player burnout is a massive problem, but maybe if he wants to reduce that strain, he should be looking at the fact that we've got a very bloated and over the top European season that can run upwards of like thirty odd games. Like I'm just sick to death of people in power in rugby constantly talking about how much how worried they are about player welfare, and their solution is always that somebody else should do something or somebody else should fuck off. And it's so disingenuous and it absolutely boils my piss. I bet they wouldn't be that worried about player welfare if they were making the money off the tour. 
Exactly. Or I bet if if somebody in let's say America said, "Would you like to play uh, like five tests like in Chicago seven, to a packed in Chicago field. to a packed stadium and we'll give you millions?" They'd be like, "Yeah, brilliant. Let's do it." What about player yeah. welfare? Should it player welfare? Should yeah. welfare? We'll do it on Six Nations weekends. Uh, yeah, because <laughs> something's got to move. Exactly, and uh, it's, yeah. I mean, it, it is just... it is worrying. It is. Yeah, but, but... there is there issue there are issues there. But that's but, why you take a large touring squad and have midweek teams and all that kind of stuff, isn't it? So it isn't the it way is. it is. And you can always build something in that says that every player that goes on tour can only play a certain number of games. Because you know what a yeah. test side is when you go generally. I know there's always a bit of a bolter and you never quite know a yeah. Jeremy Davidson type and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. generally, you you know what your test team is. I mean, of course, Woodward tried the whole take 300 people, two full squads <laughs> and, have, and treat them as two different teams in 2005. And we all know how that ended. Although exactly. to be fair to old Clive, the useless old git that he is, he, um, yeah, he, you know, I think anybody will lost to that New Zealand team. Yeah, in the scratch it's team not in 2005. It wasn't a terrible idea. It's just it that he just... did it and he took Alistair Campbell with him. So it was ultimately, yeah. Yeah. ironically, given that he's such a good spin doctor, Campbell, how could he not see that him being there was the worst possible the spin worst... to yeah, put on the tour? Exactly. And then setting up like clandestine Gavin Henson photo ops. What the fuck was that about? <laughs> Oh, anyway, rare and yeah. special, rare and special. Mm. By the way, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. Sorry, yeah. So, what have we got next? So, yeah. Uh, speaking of America, actually, uh, possibly because I've just come from there, but like I'm this obsession that everyone in the other like non-American bits of the rugby world seems to have with exploiting the American market at the moment, seemingly with little regard for the game in that country and what is actually going on there it's like the pro 12 wants to set up a team a, a, a new team in america full-time the premiership has already started playing games over there and wants to do more murad fucking Bujalal says that he's going to set up his own league yesterday um completely ignoring already... wants to probably wants to conquer rhode island <laughs> and make it an, an, an island state that he can ru- rule over well, exactly. This is the thing. He's saying he's going to set up a professional rugby league in America. There's already a professional rugby league in America. It's just got going. Like, the arrogance of it just, it winds me up. Like, why don't we see if American fans actually want any of this shit before we start making plans and assume <laughs> that they want it? It's like, Pro 12, so do they do they actually want a Pro 12 team in America? I don't think anybody's bothered to ask, have they? I think it's like, basically just the Welsh, you know, the, the Welsh organisation just want to find... One region that everybody can unite behind, because <laughs> it's been going yeah. on for so long. Have you seen those Twitter discussions that go on? By the way, they're absolutely... I haven't just seen them. I've been included <laughs> like... in them. They're... I mean, it's no very interesting stuff, and they're very knowledgeable people in the main. But it's like Homer's Odyssey every it day. Is... Do these people not work? I mean, it's... <laughs> it's... You will, if you have the misfortune of being included in one of these labyrinth discussions about. <laughs> What is a region and what is a club in Wales? You you might as well just turn your phone off because it will not stop going off all night and well into the early hours, or indeed all day if you're in work. And but there is a place. All it ever does is go round and round in circles. Where it, either they, it's it's Cardiff are the main. Let's be honest. Well, yes, yeah. but everyone hated made... Cardiff when they were just a club. Exactly, and now it's like, are they Cardiff? Are they the Blues? Is it? Are they the 
dragons? Are they the Newport dragons? Are they the Newport Gwent dragons? Can I just go on record as saying here as well that I absolutely despise the word Australia. (laughs) I feel it should be expunged and stamped out of the English and Welsh language. It is a hideous, hideous word that is embarrassing. However, at least nobody in the fucking Ospreys region, or Australia, if you will, (laughs) gets into this bollocks thing about whether they're Neath or Swansea or Bridgend or whatever. It's true. Yeah. There is a place called Bryn Bryn Mawr in Pennsylvania, isn't there? There is. But they call it Bryn Mawr, don't they? Probably. So they could go and set up there, but then probably somebody would find it's got too many links to Cardiff or... Yeah, it's... it's Basically, it's too far west, what with it being beyond the Irish Sea and beyond Ireland. So they would technically say that that was too close to the Scarlets. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, there is an element of just let them get on with developing their own game. Yes, we know it's a big market. Yes, it's you know, good. there's a huge... Uh, we've been here before. There. Oasis tried this in the 90s. Exactly. And they How didn't quite crack did it. How many years it take soccer to become like... What it Even is marginally space- successful, yeah. Yeah, it's like a third-tier sport in America, and that's taken them the best part of 50 years, and Pele. What? You know? <laughs> Pele, yeah. yeah. And it's Luther like, Blissett. thought that we can just rock up and half-arse it, and everyone will just throw themselves at it. It's I, do so love seeing the, I do love seeing the videos of the pro rugby games, when they're literally played in, like... A park. Yeah, it's, great. Yeah, it's like it's like pod kind of fields in Cardiff with yeah. two people stood around, but it's like international players. Yeah, with Burke and Bergamasco and Mills Mulioyne. In those it's brilliant really sort of polo, literally polo on horses looking shirts with the diagonal yes. stripes on and everything. Yeah. And the teams called things like, you know, Denver Spree Killers, whatever is the call. Yeah, one of them's called the Steamers. Or one of them was <laughs> going to be called the Steamers. Absolutely. The, the Ohio Steamers. And it was, yeah, that would have been bad. Um, Speaking of kits, Rich Halkarich on Twitter got in touch and mm. said that shit for him is both Bristol kits, and I uh, thought they were all right. He, he is demonstrably wrong in that regard. <laughs> and you're an expert uh, in this field, Josh. Well, exactly. you should know. I, I can't speak to be an expert on many things, but um, yeah, no, he's he's dead wrong. I really like. I can understand why people don't like the Bristol home shirt because it's got lots of red in it, but that away shirt, the gold and blue one, bloody lovely. I yeah, can't see any problem with that. Uh, let's just um, sidebar for a minute here. Mm. Rugby shirt watch. If you were yes. to, if I were to say to you, what shirt should I buy this year? What should I be telling the readers, readers, listeners out there to buy? What should they part mm. with their hard-earned cash for? What would it be? Well, I tell you what, I am very partial. The Harlequins um, home shirt, which is like a slightly weird retro, looks like a washed-out photo take on the Harlequins thing. Looks very cool. Um Bath shirt is very nice. It's got a proper collar. I do collar. like the bath shirt. Yeah. It's got a proper collar. Who can ask? Um, I really like the Osprey's home shirt at a very different end of the scale just because it's a little bit mad and has weird illuminous green That's bits. That's what they do, though, isn't it? That is exactly what they do. Um, uh, uh, I like Northampton's one this year. They've kind of kept what, it simple. We haven't reviewed that yet. I'm, that's coming this week. But the Saints home shirt is different but it sort of feels slightly old school as well which I quite and like. that colour scheme is great I think yeah. if you're asking me not Saints fan but if you ask me I think that whole black green yellow thing mm. is good no, I really like done it. well yeah. so if you do want to read reviews and decide where to put your cash from you can go oh, to certainly. rugbyshirtwatch.com can't you John? you can indeed and read well, all kinds we, of things we I've, take it way too seriously I, I, took a, I took a summer off basically because I can never be asked to think of the things to write in the off season but of course you <laughs> have to deal with the Absolute tsunami of new kit releases. Yeah, it's basically 
It's a good job that we go on hiatus in the summer because I'm not sure how I would have coped. I genuinely don't know. It's yeah, between uh, like the end of the season and this week, basically, it is fucking bedlam. Um, right. Okay. So, yeah, we'll have one more shit. Ian Bradshaw on Twitter got in touch and said, uh, "Shit, with the GB sevens of either gender composure in the medal games." They looked like they had Ben Botica as their sports psychologist. Steady on. It's, it's toys. They're tough people out there, you know. People think I'm a nasty bastard, but I'm telling you, there are some people out there. Um, I think the men's sevens were uh, pretty comprehensively dismantled. They were outclassed. They were clearly like. This year, leaving certificate students have new choices via the CAO. Whether you're going straight into the world of work or exploring routes to third level, further education and training and apprenticeships offer you flexible, hands-on learning opportunities. The future is full of possibilities. Whatever your ambition, further education and training and apprenticeships can help take you there. Your future is what you make it. Learn more at cao.ie forward slash options. This is an initiative of the Government of Ireland. Bank of Ireland is looking out for your financial well-being. They want to help protect you from fraud. So whether it's Black Friday, Cyber Monday, or even just plain old Tuesday, be careful online. Don't assume that every text message or email you get claiming to be from a bank, a delivery service, or any company is legit. And remember, Bank of Ireland will never send you a text message or an email with a link asking for your full 365 PIN number or one-time passcodes. So don't give them out. Search Bank of Ireland Security. And together, this Christmas, we won't let the fraudsters win. Begin. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. We all know that Rugby Sevens is Fiji, and then there's a fucking huge gulf, and then there's everyone else. Can we just take a quiet five seconds to pause in thought and remember what Nakarawa was like in that final? Oh, God, he was unbelievable. As my mate texted me at the time, he said, what are you supposed to do when he's playing like that? He's an absolute fucking menace. He's, he's, he's not, like, he's a handful when he's playing second row in 15s. But you give him all of the space and none of the forwards' responsibilities of a sevens. He's terrifying. It was like when you get, when you, when, when you meet up with your younger cousins and you can mm. hold them off with one hand and hold the ball up. And he was quite literally holding them That off was it. Him. He was holding them off with yeah. one hand and then like doing these round-the-head passes and all that kind of stuff. It was unbelievable. I'm sure we've yeah, it, people talking about that. But. It was kind of one of those things where like Team GB obviously set themselves up to be quite a small team. They yes. were not like... They weren't getting big wingers in. They were no. getting small, small nippy lads. Small, people who could, who could hit tackle low quite well. Yeah, and that was just a really terrible matchup for Fiji. And then, and then they came up against really big bastards who could yeah, move just as quickly as them. Who could do everything else as well. Yeah. 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 So we um, think a bit a bit unfair there, Mister Ian yeah. Bradshaw, and the ladies. Yeah, so, uh, you know, my, yeah, I, I, I've, yeah, I can sort of see where he's coming from with the the women's one. They kind of they did lose their they shit did, a bit. They did they? lose their shit a little bit, but. But certainly the men's, they were just on... Like, Fiji were on a different planet to everyone else. And also, you got to remember, I mean, they were, you know, no, they were a scratch team. This is like a Lions tour, yeah. but even less prepared. Yeah, they've every single other one of those teams in that tournament had been playing together for at least a year with thought of nothing but the Olympics. And yet, 
you know, they'd had two months and their preparation mainly consisted of like playing the Exeter Sevens, you know. Ben, ben Ryan's been given two hectares and been made a chief. And a mountain. He just, he just keeps being given shit all yeah. the time now, doesn't he? It's great. He's literally, he can't walk down the street in Fiji without being given something. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's wonderful though, isn't it? And it is true, most, I think he oh, was the difference, wasn't he? Yeah. Because he did organise them, to, you know, in as much as you can organise Fiji the way they play. He gave yeah, them some structure. The, yeah, he added structure to what they do naturally so well. And yeah, I mean, he is without doubt the most popular ginger man in Fiji. And ever will be, I would imagine. It's it's, it's probably a, a small it's probably a small sample they're choosing from, I'll guess. But even mm. so, not to do down <laughs> is a is, is achievement. Exactly. One last shit from you. Uh, yes, Todd Blackadder's summer. <laughs> um, like, <laughs> I'm not sure if you saw this, but um, the new Bath coach, um, if he he claimed that he watched every single game that Bath have played for the last two years in preparation to take over the wreck, and holy shit, I feel for his friends, his family, and indeed him. Because that that just sounds like even if you're a Bath fan, like I mean, okay, Bath were good the season before last, but like what having to watch all of the fucking dire shit that was last season. It must be like watching your relative die of a terminal illness. Exactly on motion capture, <laughs> on time delay capture, or like watching the Godfather trilogy. <laughs> it started yes. off all right. Oh, we got really good in the middle, and then oh, oh god, oh look, oh, oh god, oh, Sophia, Sophia Coppola. <laughs> What was a Sofia Coppola moment last year in Bath season? <laughs> There's a question for you out there. What yes. was a Sofia Coppola moment in Bath season last year? Let us know. Um, uh, yeah, and also speaking of Todd Blackadder, um, comparing George Ford to Dan Carter. Yeah, I've just... heard this. Who did that? Did he do he it? He did it. Oh, I missed that. I know somebody had done it. I didn't know it was him. Yeah. It... Silly boy. I mean, no. Uh Right then, let's. That's the shit done. Let's move on very quickly to the good. We'll try and race through this because we're, we're, yes. oh, we're eating. I, we can still tell we've not been on for a while, can't you? We're talking even longer than usual. Um, good wise, I've got Dane Coles. Yeah, who is oh, arguably in with a shout of being the best player in the world right now. Yeah, I, it's it's probably between him and Bowden Barrett, isn't it? And speaking of good, yes, Bowden yes, Barrett. I mean, you could also say him. But yeah. I mean, Coles, he's kind of he's quite he's quick. Mm-hmm. He's intelligent. His hands yeah. are very very good. He's hard really? as nails. He's he's probably he's a borderline psychopath, I think. A little bit, yeah. And um and that one that um super rugby final when he came back on oh, with blatantly broke his ribs it? must have been like a I think I described at the time a bag of smashed crabs. <laughs> and he basically came on and just kept playing. Absolute warrior. Yeah, no, that was abs- that was warrior level stuff. That was heroic. Yeah, what a player. Anything good from you? Um Glasgow signing up Dave Rennie as their new coach. Um, yeah, probably, how did that happen? I don't know. I mean, I probably wasn't the only person who maybe like feared for Glasgow's like future as a top echelon team when it was announced that Gregor Townsend was off to to replace Pigfern. But um, how like getting who might very well be the best coach in the Southern Hemisphere as a replacement is a pretty huge statement of intent. Like, and he's perfect for them too because mm. like Glasgow play that's really high tempo offloading style of play and Scotland is trying to do it as well obviously and this is a brilliant continuity like it's it's whispered and but it sounds of sort of seems like the SRU know what they're doing these days steady but I, I think um, the and when you look at we did this last year because we were accused of not mm. giving Glasgow enough respect so we looked into it and actually when you looked at their definition of incremental improvement they did go yeah. one two th- four three two one position wise over four years mm. last year they were nearly there as well 
And actually, so they've already got that to build on. The way they play rugby, yeah. then bringing somebody of his class in means it's basically probably doomed to be completely shit. Well, that's the thing. It's, it's whether he can actually replicate what he's done with the Chiefs in shitty Scottish weather, which it's is not, always yeah, the test. Weather's not that good in New Zealand either, is it? No, well, this is true, but I mean, it is a summer game over there, isn't it? So. New Zealand is basically Scotland, isn't it? The other side of the world. That's true. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll see. So, in terms of uh, good, Tom Dare, Repka got in touch on Twitter, and he said, and we've already mentioned this, but we'll talk about it again. Said, "Good, how much winning gold in Rio meant to Fiji?" Oh, Just I love that I mean, the, the whole thing—it was, and you know, whether you're a Christian or not, there's something wonderful to see people kind of collapse to their knees and kind of supplication and joy at the end of something. It was just, it was such a lovely moment and the singing and the, oh, it was just, yeah, it, it I did not give a single toss about Team GB losing that game. No, I didn't really. I, I, mean, I wanted them to I win, but... Quite, I, I would have felt quite wrong if we'd have won the gold. We weren't going to, obviously, because they were another yeah. level. But... And when you saw the scenes back in Fiji as well, it was absolutely incredible. Yeah, it's been brilliant. Dave yeah. Garrett's um, been in touch on Twitter as well, and he said, speaking of the seven, shit, Woodward for his sevens commentary. Oh, Have you known anything yeah. as bad as that in, in your life? It, it, especially it juxtaposed like... against something else Dave mentioned, how good Rob Vickerman was on the radio, which many yeah. people made a point about at the time as well. It was, well, it was just a he knew nothing, man did he? talking bollocks. Just get somebody who's a famous rugby person to talk about it. He didn't have a clue who anybody was. He couldn't give any no. kind of insight into tactics whatsoever. And no. his voice is like a joy vacuum. It was It was almost like... I mean, Eddie Butler wasn't that good, but I mean, all he's got to do well, is... Well, he's just got to call names, hasn't he? That's his job. Yeah, exactly. In, that, in a, a slightly theatrical and melodramatic way. Fair enough, that's what he does. But like, you could just see him kind of... Like longing for Brian Moore or somebody with a, some semblance well, of joy in their life. He could probably hear Rob Vickerman behind him on the radio he, section, you which he could Rob hear. Vickerman. But I want to hear what Rob Vickerman's saying. You Tell could, that, that fucking Skeletor to shut up. You could hear him in the background doing the Radio 5 stuff in like when Woodward was having one of his fucking stroke moments or something <laughs> where he just wasn't saying anything. You could hear fucking Vickerman going on in the background saying interesting things. And it was like, can we just not? Flip this shit around. Yeah, dreadful. There you go. Anything good from you? Um, Argentina's um, winning points on Saturday, um, namely that the thing it came from, which is, you know, how many times do you see, particularly at the end of games or when teams are chasing, they try to do that grubber kick 22 dropout thing where they like dink it forward and try to pick it back up and yes. it almost always ends in a knock-on or the other team just picking it up. It's a rugby league um, tactic. Yeah, exactly. And you see it tried all the time, never ever works. It actually worked. And it also didn't only work, it took the box by so much surprise that it worked that they broke up the field about 40 metres and won a penalty that they used to kick the winning points. So, yeah, it was nice. Congratulations. That's the end of the shit good inaugural of the season. Mm -hmm. uh, let's move on to a preview of the um, Aviva Premiership and Pro 12 seasons. Now, what we said was is that we can go through every team and it'll be a nightmare and it'll take too long and, and what do we know anyway so what I've said what yes. I set the challenge was is that I set myself and Josh the challenge to say can we do a preview in a tweet so for each team can mm. we possibly do a sort of season preview in 140 characters of how we think it's going to go I've Indeed. done the premiership you have. you've done the pro 12 I have so what we'll do is we'll run through those and then we'll try and see if we can say we think it's going to win the league or at least get to the playoffs. Yeah. And who's going to, should we do that? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. So let's do uh, 
Premiership previews first. Mm-hmm. Bath. In a tweet, we have a cunning plan, bla- cunning plan Blackadder. I had to go there, didn't I? We have a Obviously. cunning plan Blackadder. It involves selling all our centres. <laughs> Who knows? Question mark as to how they're going to do this season. Yeah. Absolutely no idea whatsoever. Nope. Bristol. All we have to do is beat Newcastle twice, right? <laughs> yeah. Will that be it, do you think? Yeah, Will that be enough? That, that, that should be enough. Uh, Exeter Chiefs, Henry Slade versus Garen Stevenson versus Oli Devoto in the midfield trifecta of versatility, which will be ignored for Chubby Tommy. <laughs> 20 tries, you want I'll, my words. I'll do Gloucester, then we'll swap over for your first lot. Gloucester. Cool. Sleeping giant asked if it fancies waking up, rolls over, pulls covers back overhead. <laughs> yeah, I think that's spot on, to be honest. Go on, then give us your first half a dozen cool. from the pro. So, uh, first in, in alphabetical order, then. Uh, Benetton Treviso. Um, <laughs> if Tito Tobaldi and Tommy Allen at half back are the answer, I don't want to know the question. Shit, watch holders in waiting. Uh, then we've got Cardiff Blues. Um, Willis Hallaholo is going to do frightening things to Pro 12 defences. Matthew Morgan to Cardiff are box office. Um, then Connacht. Um, they can't again, can they? <laughs> <laughs> no, sure. they've lost half the players. Well, exactly. Um, Edinburgh then. Um, they signed Sabutio's Duncan Weir to make themselves feel better about losing Matt Scott. Mid-table beckons yet again. Oh, Duncan Weir, man. Tiny, tiny Duncan Weir. <laughs> Go on, then, one more. Um, Glasgow, and we'll finish off with Glasgow. Um, life after Nakawara, is there any life at all? Well, with Dave Rennie, as we always said, there might be, mightn't there? Well, is Townsend going to go off with a bang? Is what, sorry? Is Townsend going to go off with a bang? Yeah. Uh, right then, back to me. Harlequins, if we rebuild yes. it, playoffs will come. But not this season. Because <laughs> they are in a bit of a rebuild thing, aren't they? As nice as yes, their shirt are. is. Leicester mm-hmm. Tigers. I'm so uninspired by Leicester, the thought of Leicester Tigers this season, right? I'm not, this is not me doing a tweet bit. I'm just explaining what my tweet's going to be. I'm so uninspired by the thought of this year. All I could think to write was playoffs. Yeah. Because I think they're going to get there. That's, that's all But I can't think of anything in their makeup. Or, all right, Matt Tamua looks like he might give them something a bit more. Hmm. And Beetham's pretty classy, I suppose. And JP Peterson's there. <laughs> He's mm. he was definitely good in two thousand seven. Yeah, Matthew Tate's still there. There's not much more to be said. Is he really? God, yeah. He's is he captain again this year? Or are they out somebody Let's else? just say he is. How could he be a captain? He looks like a sickly child. <laughs> Newcastle Falcons, and I have to credit you for this one, Josh, because you did yes. quote this on. Um Newcastle Falcons. Has anyone still got Andy Goo's phone number? <laughs> Which is probably going I'm to be sorry between, for laughing at my own joke. It's between, <laughs> it's between, <laughs> it's between them and um, it's it's got to be between them and Bristol to go down again. Massive, I think. Yes, you'd imagine so. Northampton Saints surely won't lose to the bottom three again. George North's heads right, Pickhamold weights right. Playoffs. Yeah, I'd say fair enough there. Definitely. I think the top four basically are going to be um, Saracens, Northampton. Leicester Wasps, probably. I think Exeter might drop out this year. Mm. Yeah, not I'm not sure about Exeter, but yeah. Um, Sale Sharks, let's do that one. Yeah. The away form better be better. You bet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, I'll finish my three and you can do yours. 
Um, yes. Saracens, all your bases are belong to us. Again. <laughs> that is some quality early 2000s, isn't it? Yeah, when was that from? It was early 2000s, was wasn't early it? early 2000s. Probably like for the young people. You'll have to look that up, young people out there. <laughs> um, wasps, Razzle and Dazzle, Frazzled Haskell, Horrible Traitor Dome, Playoffs. <laughs> okay. I fear that was only... That's my personal view of that, really. Mm. Worcester Warriors, nothing to play for by January. Yeah. Oh, 100 million percent, yeah. So there you go. Do you want to finish cool. off your Pro 12s? I will. So, uh, Leinster, um, Graham Henry's only there for two weeks. Henshaw better be bloody good because they've lost everybody else. Um, <laughs> Monster, nothing says confidence like bringing in someone to be your boss. <laughs> the post-Imperial post malaise is getting a bit ridiculous now. Yes. Um, New Pugwent Dragons, uh, Kingsley Jones networking seems to have unearthed a load of journeyman cast-offs yet again. Is it another horrendous season? They are holders of the Cuthbert Places on Cup as well, remember? They We've not mentioned that are. yet. Which we think, we think, could end up in Russia, do we not? There's a chance. I'm not sure if it's a good chance, given <laughs> how the Dragons have... Basically, the Dragons... Yeah, I, I mean, they might win a game before Europe. Oh, that, yeah, of course, yes, we're relying on that, aren't we? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> they could do, couldn't uh, they? Oh, it'd be great if they didn't, though. Imagine if it ended up in the Siberian League or whatever. Great, it'd be so hard to keep track of. It <laughs> it. I think, as you said, imagine trying to set up a Google alert in Cyrillic <laughs> writing to try and find out what's going on. Yeah, that would be fun. So, um, yeah, so Ospreys then. Shit last year, good the year before. Um, it would help if Dan Bigger stopped being crap. What hopes of that do you think? I, I kind of hope it's getting his sort of ridiculous dip last season was getting a bit depressing by the end of it. So you kind of hope that maybe a couple of weeks off has done him some good. Maybe oh. I don't know. We'll see. Um, Scarlet sent not yeah. to uh, not to be funny, but the Tech Turks have one of the best backlines in Europe. Johnny McNichol is going to be playing for Toulon in a year or two. Where does he play, Johnny McNichol? Uh, he was at the Crusaders. He's a winger. Um, he's got a fucking bagload of tries for the Crusaders this year, and he's now going to score a bagload of tries in the Pro 12 as well, I would imagine. Rhys Patchell's there now, isn't he? Is Rhys Patchell's there. Is he going to play Liam 10? Williams. Uh, yes, he's going to play 10. Um, they're, they're back, you look at their back line, the resources they've got. They've got Liam Williams, John Davis, Scott Williams, Johnny McNichol, um, and they've got... Patchell as well, obviously Gareth Davis. It's a ridiculous backline, and of course they've got the greatest, the world's greatest uh, tight head prop, tight head prop, <laughs> and also execution of the pivot and run around manoeuvre. They have yes, Samson is. It's the greatest <laughs> thing in rugby is Samson Lee's pivot and run around. Yes, and the fact that we didn't use it more in New Zealand is probably why we didn't win any of this test. I think so. And I think, you know, that's, um, that's why Gatland is seriously brought into question. That's the main thing. Exactly. Never mind everything else. Yeah. Last two then. Yeah. Um, Ulster, Bo Trimble, Piatau. That's borderline unfair. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. He was quite astounding in a pre-season friendly the other day, apparently, Piatau. Yeah. And you think that they've got Stuart McCloskey, they've got Luke Marshall, they've got, um, what's his face? The, one who looks like a child, Paddy Jackson. Paddy Jackson. And Ruin Pienaar. It's like, and Jared Payne as well. It's like That is frightening, isn't it? That is, that is, that is the, I genuinely think that's the best backline in Europe. And it, it, Watch yeah. the space, people, when we come back in, on that one. Mm, it's exactly. a big call. 
if they don't win something this year, they've underachieved. I'm going to say that. Ooh, um, and then finally, uh, Zebre. Then, yes, um, our old favorite. Zebre without home owners like life without laughter. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure they'll find another way to. Amuse I'm sure we'll find another way to make us laugh. Um, yeah. So that was our. Who's in the playoffs for the Pro oh, Twelve? Do you Pro think? Pro Twelve. Oh, um, see, I think it's very open this year. I think Ulster are going to be in it. I think Leinster are probably going to be in it. I've got a funny. I think the Scarlets are going to surprise a few people this year because they've been on the they've been on the edge for a couple of years. I think they might just sneak in this year, and then it's going to be between Munster and Connacht for me. Glasgow. Oh, I see. You can, this is what I'm saying. It's wide open. You can't really like the Blues have recruited very well, and the Ospreys hopefully won't be quite as shit this season. So. Yeah, you could see any one of the top six or eight teams really making the playoffs if they get a good run. It's going to be very competitive. Very good year. Dragons? Uh, no. <laughs> Zebra? <laughs> I'll stop Maybe. Uh, right, so that's that was our very quick run through the previews of the season. Unless you have anything else you want to say on that, Josh? Nope. Okie doke. Uh, so, yeah, we could have done the traditional thing, but we tried to do it that way. Uh, let us mm. give us your tweeted previews, if you wish, at Blood and Mud or at Josh Gardner. Now, Josh... This is mm. our new feature that we're going to talk about this week. Now, most of you out there, and I'm sure you, Josh, have heard of the, the urban vocal beat poet entertainer, uh, Jason Zed, I believe his name well, is. I'm familiar with Jason. I was in Jason Zed's, uh, what you would call his crib? Not crib, that's his house. What the, where he lived. Manor? That's just, not an American just word, though, is I it? I was in Brooklyn. I was in Brooklyn Hood? just three or four days ago outside is his ridiculously Jason massive Zed is basketball from, is it? arena. Yes. Now, he He's had got a, a song. silly basketball arena for the team he owns. It's got grass on the roof. Makes no sense. There you go. You own the team. He owns everything. Yeah. Um, so anyway. we've stolen the, the the famous song of Jason Zed's uh, "99 mm-hmm. Problems" and the impolite word for a lady ain't one. <laughs> um, so we've decided to talk, to start our own um, feature on this one called "99 Problems and the Haskate One." Where and that's we important, yeah, nice to everyone's on the Hasgate one, where we're going to go through and try and sum up one to ninety nine problems that we think there are with rugby, but the Hask won't be one because I'm trying to no. cleanse myself of this this exactly. season. I'll be honest, you're gonna, you, you just got to let it go now. I think, mate, it's... I have got to. I can't promise anything, but I no. can. All, all I can you're promise is to give it my honest effort. That's all I can hmm. promise. I can't promise that's I won't all, fail. That's all the Hask would want, really. Yeah. So we've got a couple of problems to kick off 99 Problems and the Hasgate one. If out mm. there you want to nominate a problem for 99 Problems and the Hasgate one, please let us know at Blood and Mud. Use the hashtag, hashtag 99RugbyProblems because 99 Problems and the yeah. Hasgate one is a hashtag which simply will not work. So no, 99 Rugby Problems is way, way, way too long. long. So number one, Josh, number one of the 99 Problems is yours go. Uh, yes. I level with you. Deciding exactly what to gripe about here was really hard because I could have picked one of about 500 things. But my first Nightingham Problems in the Hass game one is the LV Cup. <laughs> it, it, I mean, I'm going to try here to not use this segment as a place to air personal grievances and vendettas, <laughs> at least until next week. Well, so like I'll start me, off, you can't promise LV, anything. Yeah. The LV Cup, it, it, it's rubbish, and it makes no sense at all. If Explain to me... Did it like they didn't play the LV Cup last year? Did nope. anybody notice? No. 
Exactly. And I mean, if they did, might, you might did not they even care. Know, you might not even know what the LV Cup is. It's, it was formerly known as the EDF Cup, um, the Anglo-Welsh Cup. It was the Power Gen Cup once, the Pilkington Cup before that, before the Welsh regions got involved. But it's it's just such a pile of shit. And it's a needless pile of shit as well, because we've talked in this podcast about what is an already bloated fixture list. Mm. And then you add into it this thing that nobody cares about. Literally nobody cares about it until you actually, literally the moment you win it. And other than that, you are absolutely guaranteed yeah. that nobody, not even fans of the team that are in the final, anything, don't give a fuck. Well, and, yeah, why isn't Mark McCall moaning about that from a player welfare point well, of view? Well, exactly. Just stop stop it. Like, when it was the Power Gen Cup or the Pilkington Cup or whatever, like, even for the first few years of the Anglo-Welsh Cup, it actually, it did actually matter in some way. Like, I remember when the Ospreys won it, um, like, I think it was 2009. Like, yeah. there was, like, a crowd of about 50,000 at Twickenham to watch the final. Hmm. And then, like, about a year or two later, they changed the format. And it's just... It just doesn't make any sense. In the more you put, they put the teams in groups, but they also play te- like random teams from other groups as well as the teams in their groups. Yes. So it makes no, it it's, makes no sense. It's pointless and it makes no sense. That is my. It, like, yeah. why would you have more games than there are teams in the pool? Will this will this be solved by Brexit, Josh? Uh, probably not. Because I think I've heard that most things that are wrong with the country will be solved by Brexit. I wonder if the LV Cup will be one of them. Well, I mean, on the plus side, maybe Brexit will mean that we won't have any European rugby anymore. So <laughs> they'll have more weekends to play the Anglo Welsh Cup on. Um, I see. Why weren't they like, putting that out in the referendum campaign? Exactly. Well, that's how it did. But it's like it's such a, like it's like the league. It's it's the rugby equivalent of the League Cup in football. Hmm. But worse, nobody plays full-strength teams. The final seems to just go to whoever feels like hosting it that week. They don't play even play. Whoever draws the short straw, basically. Yeah, Yeah. it's like they should either just stop doing it, or just get rid of it and create a proper development tournament instead. Because at the moment, yeah, an academy tournament that actually gets some profile. Yeah, that'd be the idea. Remember in the early nineties in the football, there was something called the Anglo-Italian Cup. Vaguely, when basically yeah. only teams from I think division, the old division three and below, played against wow. teams from the equivalent in Italy. This feels <laughs> a little bit like that because even though it is the proper teams, it isn't really. It's just and it it's like, well, why yeah. are we fucking doing this? By the way, and it is that thing. It's like they, the clubs themselves, demonstrate how little of a shit they give by the yeah. teams that they put out. Yeah, they that's the thing is, you look at the teams for the finals and you think. That isn't a full-strength team they've put out there. They're saving some for the Premiership next week. And yes. if that's the level that it's at, where the sec- presumably, like in theory, the second most important bit of silverware domestically that's available is regarded with such disdain that they can't even be bothered to put out a full-strength team to the final, just let's not let's just not do it anymore. And, I, and, I'm, not, and I'm not being funny. There is a tailor-made competition ready to slot straight into it, which could do with a higher media profile, and that's the Cuthbert Police on Cup. Exactly. Why are we let's... wasting our time with this LV Cup when we could just slot in a yeah. ready-made quality, yeah. why s- quality lack of quality competition exactly. that people can actually get why behind? Why sell- why celebrate mediocrity when we can celebrate <laughs> <a> protect- true <laughs> awfulness? Yes. Why? I ask you why. 
<laughs> so that's number one, the LV Cup. Let us know what you think mm. about your particular LV Cup. I've got number two of 99 problems in the Haskate one. And number two is something I've riffed about before. I'm going to go again. It's missed tackles. Well, I love them. Uh, in the first weekend of the Rugby Championship in those two games, there were 100 missed tackles in those two that games. One, How many of them were Australian? 100. Only 13 of them were New Zealand. Yeah. Of, I think Australia were up in the 30s. Yeah. Okay, which is right. staggering, right? Now, that's yeah. a particularly bad performance, okay? But it seems to me that every time you look at match stats, and I dipped into this a little bit when I was looking into it, even like good England performances, like England versus Scotland in the Six Nations last year, there were 14, mm. 13 tackles missed. Yes. It's basically in double figures in most games. And I think an average is probably, I'm not a full analysis, but an average is probably around between 15 and 20. Now, there's a point at which you've got to say, I'm sure some statistician will tell me, well, that means that becomes the norm then. But mm. my point is, why the fuck is that the norm? <laughs> if Honestly, if this was rugby league and you had double figures of missed tackles every game, somebody would be losing their fucking job or their hands or both. Well, now, I know it's a different I'm game. Sure it and all used that, to be like that. I mean, like, it's I'm hard sh- to compare between eras, and you haven't done a full analysis on this, but I do genuinely believe that it's an unacceptable level of missed tackles at what's meant to be the elite level of the game. I'm sure that, like, I wonder if it's it's partly due to the way that the sort of game has become more expansive, in air quotes, yeah. in the last four or five years. But I'm sure that, I can remember when, like, Wales were winning Grand Slams with... Defence and Sean Edwards, mm. they were not missing more than, you know, missing more than five or six tackles in the game was considered fucking verboten. Yeah. And now it's gone, now even Wales, you know, who were one of the more defensively solid teams over the last decade are missing double figures tackles every game and pretty much. It, and yeah. nobody seems to be that bothered. And if it, if it was any other skill, imagine what would be said. If it was yeah. missed line out throws. And we'll probably come on to poor lineouts at some point in this because mm. that's another one that's completely inexcusable. If it was missed lineout <laughs> throws, if it was handling errors, if it was forward passes, people would be losing their shit about it. No, it just exactly. seems just as kind of flown under the radar. Dane Haylett Petty missed a tackle on Fekitoa, was it? No, mm. not Fekitoa. Maybe was the other centre. What's his name? Oh, um, you don't like. oh. Ryan Crotty. Ryan Crotty. Yes. Um, in the first game, and it was an absolutely disgusting and appalling missed tackle. And all of the commentators <laughs> were talking about the fact that, oh, he slightly got stepped and he, he lost his foot and it was this. Like, no, that was actually just an unforgivable execution of a key skill. And, it yeah, just shouldn't, and, and you shouldn't be making excuses for it. And maybe they don't in the dressing room. I'm only going off what I hear. But it just seems, I can't believe that there's not more analysis and more people making a point about it. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. If if a team had twenty knock-ons in a game, yeah, people would be questions in Parliament. Yeah, or if they lost twenty lineouts, even John yeah. Inverdale might have a go about it. If England did it. <laughs> what was he like in the Olympics, by the way? Oh God! People keep picking up on this sexism thing. I don't give a shit about that. He's just awful, absolutely yeah. awful. I don't care if he's sexist or not. He's just terrible. Well, I do care about that, but actually, yeah, never mind that. Like, he should be sacked yeah. anyway. That's the you know that's just the the nadir of a already shitty iceberg. 
shit burg. Wasn't they found in that sewer a fat burg? It was like full of like shit <laughs> oh. and all sorts of stuff. That's basically John Inverdale. Stick a bad, with a... Stick a bad hairpiece <laughs> yeah, in there. That's John Inverdale with a toop on him. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. So there's our mm. first two of the 99 problems, um, Josh. Mm. Please get in touch with hashtag 99 rugby problems and let us know. We're also going to do a bit of a feature coming up in the next couple of weeks, which is we're trying to think of a name for. But it's basically something along the lines of players that you should like but you don't, or players that mm. you don't like when you're supposed to. Yes. Like legends of the game who are meant to be all right. A lot of people don't like Brian O'Driscoll, for example. Yeah, I mean, personally, I find that baffling because I love the pod. But... So, is it someone said he's like fucking Mary Poppins? You're not allowed to basically <laughs> say anything bad about him. Basically. <laughs> but yeah, we'll come on to that later. So again, any nominations for that? You know, I know I should yes. like him, but yeah, I really yeah. fucking don't. Then please let us know. And that is it for this week. The opening inaugural thing. Josh, I'll be honest, is flagging. I can yeah, see he's flagging with a jet lag right now, so we're going to draw I'm this to a close. Literally going to go to bed immediately. <laughs> we're going to finish with the loop, which has been suggested by by Sporker. I'm going to I'm going to make this catch in if it, if it kills me. The, yeah. Uh, hashtag Sporker Joel Bender, who suggested Australia by the Kinks from the 1969 album Arthur or the Decline and Fall of the British Empire, which contains the lyric about Australia. Everybody walks around with a perpetual smile across their fi- face. Well, not this week they don't. Let me tell you that. No, they certainly don't. So there you go. We'll leave you with that. Josh, I will see you. Uh, There won't be a pod next week because I'm moving to a new Blood and Mud Towers and the wonderful behemoth that is BT can't move my broadband until a number of days afterwards. I'm afraid there might be a couple of weeks break. I do apologise for that, everyone. We come back just to disappear again. See you soon, Josh. Thanks for listening, everybody. Welcome back. Always a pleasure. Take care, guys. Opportunities are available in all walks of life in Australia. So if you're young, if you're healthy, why not get a boat and come to
If you have a TV, you must have a TV license. It's the law. Inspectors are calling to unlicensed homes and businesses. If you don't, that can mean prosecution and a fine of up to €1,000. Get yours at tvlicense.ie or any post office. Brought to you by the Government of Ireland. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.